Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, an artist. And this week we're talking about Paramore. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Texier. And how did everyone feel about listening to... Paramore? I felt like an angsty teen again. As you should. Did you feel like a angsty teen girl or an angsty teen boy? Yes. Cool. All the feelings he had back then. <laughs> oh, man. Paramore. Paramore something. Brought, it really brought me back to middle school, though. Yeah. Like, I... Did... I feel like every kid who grew up around the time we grew up, mm-hmm. his ideal girl... If if he was into girls, was just Haley Williams. Probably. Is that true? Probably. Yes. No. Sounds about right. What did you want? That's just not true for me. I don't know. What to, I'm just disagreeing. What did you want? She like defined always, a whole scene. I didn't listen to Paramore's. We're just asking about your preference for so women. I had no yeah. really clue who she was. So I just stuck with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, okay. oh you're uh, you fucking old man. You you. All right. <laughs> You fuck. So there's Jennifer. I will say that right transition to Haley Williams. I love we're we're not even a minute and a half into this show and we've already got a fucking old man into the show. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's true. I will say just a reminder to all all of our listeners: this is not a PG show. Don't show your kids. If you're in the car on the way to work, just make sure you're not taking your kids to school. Don't not the show for it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Don't be old, kids. Don't be old kids. If you're listening to this podcast, guess what? You're a fucking old man. Mm. Apparently, it's not my fault. Okay. Uh, right? And of course, of course, the people who want to listen to a Paramore podcast are oh, fucking old men. Old men. Oh, yeah, all you weird old guys. Mm-hmm. And, and all the people who want to do it are weird old guys, too. I like, that. I like that pretty girl who sings about airplanes. <laughs> I forgot about oh this. It's my right. transition into the song. Right. Well, no. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna transition <laughs> into the song like that. Riot came okay. out when I think when I was a freshman in high school when Riot came out. So. Riot is a damn good album. You think so? Oh, I like man. Riot. Yeah, that was the first. Uh, mm. I th- probably the, well, the first album I got into. I think I had heard some stuff from their very first record, which is uh, all we know is is falling. falling. Um, I knew uh, Pressure, pretty decent song, and Emergency. Mm-hmm. I don't, they were just kind of songs, you know, yes. that, not great. But they not. kind of fit into the genre, and that's mm-hmm. it. But I probably I listened to Riot first and then went back. That If I had to, I don't know for sure because I was a child then. Right. But I would have to say that's probably what happened. But uh, yeah, they got their big break from the song Misery Business. Horrible song on Riot. Terrible song. Listen, but uh, Riot, like over half of the songs are just absolute bops. You don't even know my feeling of the album. I don't know about half the songs, and I don't know about absolute bops. They, you can't deny it. They're bops. There's some know. good songs. Off I think of half it, of the album a- do have. I I agree with them. Half of the album does have bops. So you got the very first song for a pessimist. I'm pretty optimistic. That's a good opening track. Bop. That's what you get, Bop. Dose. Oh, I thought you were telling me to wait. Keep going. Misery business, Bop. Hallelujah. Bop. Crush, 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 Bop. Bad bop song. and a half. But, I mean, it oh, is a Lord. Bop, though. A Bop is, I mean, my definition of a Bop is a upbeat, 
Are we rounding up or rounding down? Do you know what a bop is? Tell me what a bop is. Because let me tell you, I've been looking it up because you all have been really, really aggravating me. You don't like bop? Because I've been trying to ask what you're talking about. Because I'm sick of people using this word. It's a song that's so popular that it will always be popular. That's what a bop is. No, that's yes. not right. Yes, it is. Look it up then. Mr. Phone's out right now. Mr. Already typing it in. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of people who say that a song slaps. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean when you say a song slaps? <laughs> it just means it has a good beat to dance to. I, I That's basically so. what it means. It's something about the beat of it, right? And that song slaps. Yeah. yeah, anyways. Um... I don't know. Okay, so five songs from Riot, I get that, but it is, it is. I saw it as a very middle road album where it was like there are good songs, but as a cohesive album. And again, and this is the thing that I want to get into, they're they're teens when the music came out. You can only expect them to be of so much quality, but the music that they were being that was being made is not tailored for me as a twenty six year old man listening. It's tailored for a younger predominantly female audience it's singing about those emotions that they're having because they're the ones that she's experiencing at that time she's 19 years old so the songs obviously translate to a female teenager speaking of were there any other like really big female pop punk bands evanescence they're not pop punk they're not they were there were a couple uh around that time but none of them that were as popular as paramore paramore the biggest for sure yeah so you have we are the in crowd another relatively popular pop punk band from that time hey monday hey monday comes to mind who um the lead singer of that group went on to do the voice and is now in country music which is kind of funny and then you've got uh tonight alive yeah tonight alive they're they're they've just kind of been yeah, but they just kind of had stuff. They never were big or anything. Uh, what's that one band that uh, He okay. Is We? You ever heard of them? That's oh, the group? Yeah. He, is, he we. is We. Yeah. Okay. They, they had some good stuff. They had some good stuff. Anyways, but yeah, there was some. The, uh, but the none... point being is, is that Paramore was the face of females in pop punk. I mean, they were almost the face of pop punk, really. Take away female, male, whatever. Right. Uh-huh. They were, at that time, they were one of the bigger, they were on par with, you know, Fall Out Boy, Panic, all of that stuff. Correct. In that time, all-time low, although they never really had that much pop, no, hot 100 no. chart success. They're really, I mean, those are, that's kind of the big three that you just named in terms of pop punk, that's I true. would say. Yeah, then you have a, a whole collection of smaller Groups underneath Cute is that. what we aim for. You mentioned, uh, of course, your feelings taking back like Taking Sunday. Back Sunday, which yeah. is a big, a which, big one as well. Yeah, Taking Back Tour bands. Yeah, yeah. all the Taking Tour Back bands. Sunday was the band, was the pop punk band that I, me and my friends listened to really, and yeah. that's why I didn't get. I I think Paramore was late for me because Taking Back Sunday came out with Louder Now. Yeah, yeah was that was in two, oh five. I think it was 05, yes. And Not 06, that's like the end of that period for me. Yeah. I listened to that album for a year that or two. Was and by the time sure. I got Right. Yep. And by the time I got into high school, I was focusing more on Fugazi and things like that. So this, and so in 07 is when, was that right? Was 07, correct? Mm-hmm. Was when Riot came out? Yeah. That's correct. 07. So by that time, I wasn't, I was no longer focusing on music like that. Yeah. So for me, I never heard it. I had friends that listened to it that still listen to that. But it's very, I've always lumped them in with My Chemical Romance as well. Well, there's also an emo element to their music, especially right. on All We Know Is Falling, which has a little bit more of a, I, I've even more of an angsty, they're kind of finding their sound. There's a little bit more of like an emo punk. Like, especially if you like look at the song, like My Heart, 
They've got like actual like emo screaming vocals at the end of that song. So like, there's obviously like I like uh, I like the song Franklin on that one. That was actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it has to be about uh, Tennessee where they're from. Oh, they're I thought from it was Franklin, about Tennessee. Roosevelt. Oh, I thought it was about that little frog guy. No, oh, I love turtle, the little turtle guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Nickelodeon. Um, play uh, the song uh, "Born for This." Uh, go to forty nine around forty nine seconds. What do you okay. want? That was it. That was that bit. Did that sound like anything to you? Did that? Oh my goodness! I, the ghost of Dax is back. <laughs> I stole your bit. Thank you. Go to the song "Liberation Fre- Frequency." Liberation Frequency. That's Tyler's Tyler's boys refused. What'd you think about that? I like refused. They're good. You like that reference? Yeah, that was fun. That was pretty good. That was a pretty fun one. Yeah, that's that's interesting that because you wouldn't really see Paramore being influenced by refused. Not no, No, this is a later album. But I mean, somebody had to have been. They wouldn't have made that. It's not. No, I agree. You know, I I don't think they would have said that otherwise. No. In that song, Jerry, did you say how you? F- I mean, we're we're pretty deep at this point, but how did you feel about listening to Paramore? What was your? This was oh, we're we're like we're so far into this at this point in time. We're like ten minutes deep. I, I've got to introduce it. We're doing Women's Month. Oh, say it. You're right. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's yes. the whole the whole gimmick here. Yeah, we're it, doing this whole month of November. We're talking about women artists. Yeah, we're female artists. We're female front. You know something. Female fronted, female, female full female. Or yeah. yeah, we're looking at we're looking at artists that have a female focus for the month. Jared picked Paramore as his, so I'd like to know how Jared specifically feels about having picked Paramore. What the experience of re-listening to Paramore was, what the experience of getting into maybe more of Paramore that you hadn't listened to before. Sorry that we're this far in and we haven't mentioned it. I um. Listening to Paramore, it was it was good. I uh, had not listened to the older records in a while. I'd listened to all of them previously, at different points, various points um, in my life, and I liked it. I I don't know they they aren't the best um, pop punk band or anything like that, but I definitely like the progression that they've made in their careers up to their most recent record, After Laughter, which is a pretty good album from 2017. I liked it quite a bit. Lots of good songs on it. So I, I, I liked it. So what do we think about the natural progression of their sound from like from like the debut album up to the, the newest album since Jared mentioned After Laughter? Dax, how did you feel? So I was super into Riot through Paramore, like the middle three albums. Uh, the first and last really just didn't stick with me. I thought, <laughs> I don't know. I thought, like I said, their initial release to me just sounded like songs from the genre. You could have taken a handful of songs from the genre, put it on the album, and that's what it was. Right, I thought it was pretty good, actually. You may you may be surprised to believe. I am a little surprised. Because uh, I like the layering of Riot. It's definitely more... It's definitely more um, polished, you can say. 
and they definitely have a focus on I found it to be very percussive. I listened to it twice. The first time it didn't it didn't really hit me the way the second time did. But I found it to be fairly percussive in the guitars. The drums are fairly high in the mix, so they're really loud and right there. And I found a lot of the overlaying to be pretty interesting in that album. I found two of the songs to be particularly not good, really not good. Which songs? Uh, Misery Business was one of them, <laughs> and Crush, Crush, Crush was the other one. I found those songs to just be not good, period. I did not like them at all. Uh, and I don't like, if we can go into it, what's nice, too, is eventually you know, the context changes. But I don't like the content of the, of the songs and their earlier work. Because it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with me. They're not talking to me, and that's fine. We, we spoke about this in Menzingers a little bit, how a lot of pop punk kind of focuses on more shallow aspects, you know, uh, things that are more tied to youth and the way we feel in adolescence. So as we move along, I, I really found that on the next couple albums, they almost, in a sense, like lost some of it to me. It kind of, the next one kind of floated back into nothingness, continual genre release. Hmm. And the like, really the my favorite actually was their latest release. The newest album was my favorite of all of their albums. Agreed. I, so I thought it was really interesting the shift that they made to focus on older sounds that aren't it, really not in, in their wheelhouse in a sense. No. And to kind of create something that take the pop out of their music and still take some of the feeling out of their music and kind of change it and move it in towards something else that's more fitting. And it's still. You think that it's not poppy? It is pop. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, what I think they said take out the pop. Is no, what they've I taken from their current, from what we know as Paramore before that release, they've taken their pop elements that they're good at. I they've see. taken some of the emotional elements that they're good at, and they've ch- taken those things, adjusted what they're doing musically, adjusted their sound to add in some older sounds. I read the review on Pitchfork, and they talked about you know um, a lot of it being an 80s type sound which really like a new on, wave yeah but new on wave, first indeed. listen it didn't hit me that way actually it just hit me like a current pop album mm-hmm. that was just With pretty well heavy done synth pop right elements. but I mean, it, you could aim a lot of because again so like i mean obviously paramore was kind of the big pop punk of that time but now i think the difficult thing about that album though is that other people i feel like are doing that sound better but I like that they did the shift. Sure. But there are other bands that are kind of modern that are doing that. Well, there are definitely sound. people who started in that sound that have pop, that have created a sound that's way better than that. Because There's it's no more doubt. polished. Yeah. But it's also, it's gone somewhere else. When you start, you don't, you know, that's how progression works. I start somewhere yeah. and I go somewhere else. If I haven't, if this is my first start into that type of music. It may be dull in a sense, you know what I mean, by comparison, mm-hmm. or it may be more more minimal in terms of exploring what that music has to offer. Yeah. So it's not surprising to me that there are people who do it better. But I do. I mean, that was my favorite. I think that was my favorite of their albums. Like I said, I don't. I'm not a person who bought into them at the time. I do like a lot of the elements in Riot, and so that album stuck out to me, especially on second listen. But apart from that. You know, it just felt it felt like par for the course genre wise. Jared and Dax, both of you, I assume, favorite albums are Riot. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do my since. I mean, we don't normally always do this, but I'll do it just because I can. I'll order them, and so I'll put Riot number one just because of the nostalgia factor and all that. After Laughter, second favorite, then probably the self-titled Paramore record, which I will say. It is a bit bloated. It's quite. It's very long, and yes. it probably could have cut at least four songs from it, and it would have been a better album. But it, I like that one. And then Brand New Eyes, and then the the first album, All, in, All We Know Is Falling, is the last. But 
that's my order of the favorite records. Um, <clears throat> my order is After Laughter first, Brand New Eyes second, Paramore third, Riot fourth, and All We Know is Falling fifth. All right. Cool. Mm. Mine would probably be Riot, then the self-titled, uh, then Brand New Eyes, and the other two. <laughs> no particular wow. order. No particular order. Because <laughs> he forgets them both. Uh, if I had to do so, it would definitely be After Laughter. I would probably stick right in next just because. Uh, then the self-titled, then Behind New Eyes, and then their first release. Brand New Eyes. Behind, Brand new, behind eyes. new Eyes. <laughs> behind new behind Eyes. Behind New Hazel Eyes. Yeah, Brand say. New Eyes, sorry, yes. Yeah, and, then their, and then their um, initial release as the last one. So did everybody collectively say that All We Know Is Falling is the least enjoyable album i'm trying to be like less least favorite least favorite but that's i mean to me there that wasn't stand out in any way because i'll say after laughter is a better album than riot probably just because of you know like it's it's better produced yeah it's 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 critically acclaimed more uh you know things like that but nostalgia the thing that i'll say about um riot in terms of i like the idea of you know, with pop punk, you talk about youth. And at the time that you're listening to it, or at least the people that are writing it, when they put it out, they are in their youth most of the time doing it. They're talking about, you know, being a kid, being 18, growing, you know, whatever it is, you know. And then when you're listening to it now as an adult, you are going back to that time in your mind. So, like, you have two different, like, times that that it hits you is that when you are at that youth age and you're listening to it, you're like, this is relevant to me. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, 15 years later, whatever it is, you're listening to it again and you're, you're going back in your mind to those times of, I remember when I was like this. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's retroflective. Whoa. Yeah. That's actually interesting because that's something I always concern myself with. I'm always wondering and really fearing, I guess you could say, uh, if at some point music that I find to be relevant that I really enjoy will at some point no longer be relevant and I'll have to stop enjoying it and I'm not happy about it and I'm very afraid mm-hmm. when Fugazi is no longer relevant to me I don't know what I'll do <laughs> according to uh, Haley Williams the name Paramore came from the maiden name of the mother of one of their first bass players I don't know the, I don't know which mm-hmm. bass player it was there's no information on that one but that's what I got on that I uh I do think that the the thing because you mentioned that After Laughter is probably a better album and I think that the reason that because the way that it really works for me is that the the first two albums are at the back, the next two albums are in the middle, the last album is at the front, and that's because of a natural progression of just getting older and getting better at what you're doing. I think that there's really three kind of eras of Paramore. I like to put things into kind of like eras, I guess, and really what it comes down to is. Um, just age range is what it comes down to because all we know is falling and brand new. Or no, I'm sorry. All we know is falling and riot were both released while Haley Williams and I'm assuming probably the rest of the crew were in their teenage years. Mm-hmm. And then you have brand new eyes and Paramore, which is kind of a transition into a more mature adult sound, which was still tailored to I think a younger audience, but was very clearly becoming a little bit more. Um, I, I mean, really, it just come down to more mature sound. And then After Laughter was their very first album closest to when they were in their 30s where they were actually making music that wasn't necessarily for just one collective group. It was more 
uh, of an album that actually appeals to a general audience, something that could work for any kind of listener. And so I, I find it interesting that you say that the album is better, and I think that it is just a natural progression of when you're in your teenage years, your songwriting abilities, your song crafting, your lyricism is going to be by nature uh, uh, at a sophomoric level. And then the more you get, you grow up and the more that you experience music, the more you experience life, your art just becomes better. I think that's kind of why I like Riot so much, though. Like, yeah. it's it's not like it's it's not perfect. It's the kind of thing you crank up and you scream, you know, unrefined. Yeah, it just has that has that feeling that you can't force. I often find myself hovering towards early releases of artists for mm. those reasons. I don't like it when it gets polished yeah, because it loses the edge. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that speaks, that mentality speaks into the most recent release because it's just a different thing. It's like a different animal, really. I don't know if it's something we talked about briefly earlier. There's a There was a potential that she could have a solo career mm-hmm. and that this is like a place to launch off into your own career and that she never did that. So how much of the influence is just, I want to try something else. And you know, I mean, how much of the decision-making is her for that most recent release really? Uh, and she wanted to bring certain people back. Yeah. Stylistically. And why, you know, I mean, just saying I'm going to do something different. We're going to do it under the same name, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm going to do something different. It's because I'm not leaving this name. Yeah. We've, See, we've, I don't you know, I've think, shown that. I think that she has enough, uh, creative, uh, control or whatever you want to use the word, you know, I don't know if control is the right word. It probably is, but it's not a very nice word to use. But I think she has enough, like, in terms of creativity within the group that it really wouldn't benefit her that much to be solo. Because I, I kind of think of it as similar to, like, Panic the, at the Disco, where Panic at the Disco Yuri now is, is only. Yeah, and he can continue to be Panic at the Disco, an already established name. Yeah, why doesn't... would he tour or release things as Brendan Yuri when he has built the name Panic at the Disco, and he's the only member? So all of the any, – any release, it's going under him. All of the money comes to him because now the other members are no longer in the group, and so he – you know, like – he is the he is Panic the Disco, whereas Haley Williams is not Paramore. Like she's not the only member of the group, but she is the face, and probably according to uh, an article yeah. that was published, Put she me. is the uh, the only one technically on the label. contract right. with the label. So I don't know how that works in terms of the financial dividing out the money thing. But I don't know. It, it's I don't th- I I don't think that it that she would probably I don't think that she wouldn't have success. But I don't know if it's worth it to her to be a solo. Obviously well, now it wouldn't. It's be. a decision she's made. But I mean, a couple mm-hmm. some of the articles I came across, including a review for this you know initial uh, this latest release, talk about how really sticking with Paramore potentially stunted her as an artist in terms of exposure. Uh, and like, you know, if she, if she had gone solo, which so many people thought she would, her career may have blown up in a much different manner instead of sticking with this group and continuing on with this group. Well, but I don't, I, mean, I think if you the, look, if you look at the success of like the airplane song, which we briefly, briefly mentioned, that was really the point in which you would have expected it because you have right, Haley yeah. Williams pairing with an actually established artist. Uh, B.O.B. So she did a few things with other artists. Yeah, she? Uh, like one with Zed. And yeah, Stay the Night. That's a, a good few. song. 
th- those are the two mainstream songs that got into you know Billboard charts. But as, you would think that as you have it would have a been Billboard then, chart, yeah, that is it when you would have expected there to be some kind of separation well, between her and Paramore. I, I mean, the reality of it is too is I can become, and this is really, this is like the musical sphere of that genre. I can create my own me, go solo, get a backing band that's nameless for album to album to tour with whatever. I can get a different band every album. I can get a different band every tour, and I can make the same music, mm-hmm. and I can just be. Me, Haley Williams, and that's it. I don't have to have a band with a title that follows me. And you can do that. We've seen it. I mean, it happens. You know, it's it's easy. So, and it's, I mean, it's just like, it that absolutely could have been possible. And that's what people are saying. Like, she should have broken free from, from Paramore, a group that initially she had ties to. Now it's switched because people have been in and out, mm-hmm. you know, but initially everyone was more involved, you know. And that's what people expected because you can do that. I have some thoughts on that. But before we do that, let's go ahead and play one of our favorite songs because we haven't done that yet. Uh, I'm going to throw to Jared. I'm going to pick the song Last Hope. So I think that the the question that I want to pose in terms of Haley Williams and the idea of the solo success is, is there really anything going on outside of the performance by Haley Williams that you find particularly interesting enough that you think that there is reason? Because what you're basically saying, Tyler, is that you could have Haley Williams with just a backing band. Yeah, not anymore. Not you could have, yeah, and a lot of people anticipated that. Yeah, you know, because that's what you can—that's what you could do. But do you think that they there was something that was being brought to the table by the the other members of the band? Was it the Pharaohs? Pharaoh Brothers were, yeah, yeah, they were the big two members who were also, and they were founding members of the band. Were they bringing enough to the table in terms of uh, instrumental musical perspective? That you would be like, well, you know, they they're bringing something here, so I wouldn't have dumped them to just be Haley Williams as a band, Paramore, or do you think that it's really kind of just a band that is centered around her vocals, her image, her lyricism? That is it. Is it her band? I guess you can't deny that people, when they see Paramore, they see her. Mm-hmm. That's who they hear most prominently. That's who they see most prominently. And they don't really think about it. But from what I was reading, from what I found, Josh Farrow's input, especially in Riot and in that work, was very significant. Yeah. So, but the question becomes, what does it matter to you, right? I mean, I th- you know, he ended up leaving. Once he left, what do you have left, necessarily? Everyone has their parts to play, sure, but he's gone. He's the one who's really driven your sound in terms of, what we hear from guitar, which was, in my opinion, fairly interesting on Riot mm-hmm. for the genre. So what do you do now? So what does it matter? I don't. I think that she could have easily at that point decided to. I just think she made the decision at some point, whether it was at the beginning, whether it was after he left, or whether it was during you know his last work, the last time they were working together, 
that this is what I'm doing and I'm not going to deviate. And I just think that that's probably what maybe it was. She, maybe she just believed in whatever message that Paramore was sending rather than whatever she, you know, like it meant more to fans than to have Paramore tour right. than to have Haley Williams. And I don't know sure. if it, it's hard to know if it's a financial thing that she, you know, didn't want to make the jump or if it was something that she, you know, this is a, a band that I believe in, or if it was a thing where she was scared that she wouldn't be able to find that same success. But, I mean, she might not, I mean, obviously her, you, you can see kind of her influence uh, or what influenced her uh, on the cover of Riot. You know, it's an homage to No Doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, different, you can kind of hear within her vocal things what, was influenced what she was influenced by and also yeah. around that same time if you some of the songs that i put in uh the playlist for us to listen to this week were uh, she was on two say anything songs yes she was on to uh, me without you songs to yeah to me without you songs she was on a set your goals song um so like american football death Cap well that was Q. later though oh, yeah okay i see I, you're um, in that era you're, you're yeah so like she and I don't, I don't know if it's because she was in that genre. Mm-hmm. She was on all those songs, like label mates or uh, contractual obligations because of, you know, sure. it's hard to know. But, you know, it maybe she didn't want to go to pop. Maybe she had to be, because she was signed to Atlantic, maybe she had to be on that B.O.B. song. Right. Or that Zed song. And she didn't, not that she didn't want to, but she didn't want to stay in that same realm. She wanted to perhaps have music that is in that the pop punk or the punk genre. Sure. She's married, was married to Chad Gilbert, the guitarist for Mm, newfound glory. Glory. She was married to him in 2016 and they separated in 17, but they, you know, were friends. She was featured on uh, the song vicious love, which was on their, one of their records, but she was, it was like a remix kind of thing where that she came back in and overdubbed her vocals or whatever, not overdubbed, but she recorded another version of that song. So, I mean, she is not just like musically intertwined in that scene, but like her life was intertwined in that scene. Sure. But you don't have to go pop when you come out. Look at Avril Lavigne. What's Hello her backing Kitty. band? Huh? <laughs> I just said Hello Kitty. Okay. That's a bad example. It's quite insightful over there. <laughs> um, one of them, are, you, wait, are you saying Avril Lavigne didn't go pop? I'm saying Avril Lavigne can keep the same sound and not have to have a band that she's a part of. Think about Avril Lavigne's uh, initial releasing. I, yeah, Avril Lavigne is an individual artist with a backing band. Yes. Yeah. That leans towards. Or Pink, which is, right. I mean, that's more pop. But she was sure, also more kind pop of than a, Avril Lavigne. But, but well, you know, Avril, a little bit Avril of Lavigne went pop, though. Yeah. That's the thing. You can go pop because she did go pop. She I'm saying you don't have to. She I, she wasn't pop to begin with. Right. But she, was not, she wasn't in a band. Yeah, but she did go pop. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. But that's you're not, saying you don't have to go pop. And then you said Avril Lavigne who went pop. Yeah, I'm talking about looking at her career. Look at her initial music. The beginnings. The beginnings of her music right, was in right. that genre, right? And she was an individual artist. And then she went pop. Fine, but that doesn't matter. Like <laughs> okay. that's not. I'm sorry. That's, All punk that's, goes pop. Eventually. All punk goes pop. And, and, I love that. Album. Well, and Paramore went pop too in this most recent release. Right. So, but you don't. What I'm saying is, is that you don't have to do that. There, are, there are people who have been individual artists in the genre with backing bands who are not pop. Right. Regardless of where they go at some point anyway. You want to make more money, then you can go pop where people are going to give you more money. That's what Avril Lavigne chose to do. Yeah. But you don't have to do that. Right. And he still can be solo. 
and get all the money and do your own thing. Like No Doubt. Well, No Doubt was a great yep. example because of, because of Gwen. Good example, No Doubt. Absolutely. No Doubt. So, and that was her choice. But you didn't, but she, even if she, when she left. Which she did go pop. Right. But you didn't have to. You don't have to. Of course, No Doubt was always a little bit closer as well. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, I mean, they were like, a, would you consider them skull, I guess? Or, yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Some skull skull I wouldn't say they're full out, but they're no, kind I'm of No, I'm not like saying they're full out skull, but. You know, they had some, they did have skull. Skull pop. Before you transition, I want to do another favorite track, because I see you, when I, whenever you look at your phone, I know you're ready to move on to a, a fact. So, Dax, you said your song was off of Paramore? It is. It's Ain't It Fun. That would be considered probably one of their biggest hits. Outside Probably, of the, yeah. the early riot stuff. Like, that's one of their bigger commercial success songs. Ain't it fun? What you got, Jared? Was that a xylophone? Yeah, or a marimba. Or a mar- that's kind of the the sound of what became after laughter. Kind yeah, of that little that little bit. bit I was going to bring that up as well. That um that's actually their only top ten hit. Is it? Um hmm. yes, they're in the. It's higher than Misery Business. And a, another thing that's interesting about their chart history success, Misery Business was their t- first top thirty hit, number twenty six. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next one is the song Decode. Which was on the Twilight, uh, the very first Twilight movie soundtrack. It got mm-hmm. to number thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Then you go down. Uh, the only exception, a pretty good you know song. It got to number twenty-four, a top you know 20, thirty hit, or whatever. Uh, then they had a song in two thousand eleven on Transformers: Dark of the Moon soundtrack called "Monster" that got to top forty. Then still into you, a really good song. Uh, then ain't it fun? And then they, they didn't have any hits off of their newest album but two of their biggest hits come from soundtracks to films yeah that were only on you know the no album they were not album releases right so um yeah i was gonna say something earlier but i can't yeah that's that. that's why i was thrown to you well because you looked at your phone i thought you had something you wanted it wasn't up. really it was not really relevant to any of the thing she was featured in 2015 in taylor swift's music video for bad blood there were in really and bad uh, in ba- in that video, Bad Blood, there's all these like famous people, and they all play different characters. And uh, she was the Crimson Curse. Haley Williams was. She was. There were 16 other celebrities in that music video. Interesting. Haley Williams was in there. He, the Great Orange Hope, uh, John Mayer called her. <laughs> the Great Orange Hope, indeed. Back in 2017, you mean, <clears throat> where the yeah. times were a changing? Oh, they were changing. Um, I did read uh, this other thing and. For Haley Williams, if you go to her Wikipedia page, awards and nominations. 2007, nominated Sexiest Female by Kerrang. 2007, 2008, Sexiest Female by the Shockwave Awards and Kerrang in 09. What is this? Why? Yeah. What are you doing? This is, she, I mean, obviously she was 18 at that, you know, so that's fine and dandy or whatever. It's legal, according to R. Kelly. But... It's still weird. It's still like kind of a weird. similar to the Billie Eilish thing that's going on. Why can't we? Wh- why? Why, why can't do we have female artists that aren't sexualized 
yeah. entirely when they're put into the limelight. Like, like she has a good that is the the a good the, voice. She has a good voice. Think about and why is that like her? Why was she nominated like three, four years in a row by Kerrang? Yeah, it's it, this is a really weird example, but it's like wrestling to a certain degree where female wrestlers can be like amazing at being a wrestler yet somehow their industry still sexualizes them and makes it into a thing where they have to be like undressed in front of all of us. And it's like, how is it that we can't, I mean, this is the whole purpose of having a month where we celebrate female artists because we're not like, I don't want, we don't want to sit here and be like, "Mm, let's talk about hot girls. Like that's not, it's not what we're here. Is that what you're here for, Dex? That's why I'm here. Oh, damn it. That's <laughs> I mean, why he chose his choice, which I don't remember what it is anymore. It's unfortunate because, like, along the same, in the same category, in, the, like, the same article or whatever, in 2015, they won Best Rock Song for, mm-hmm. for Ain't It Fun um, at the Grammy Awards. And then in, the, in, like, the same sentencing that you're putting, you're, you, 2012 sexiest, what, like... How are you putting in the same? She's going out to accept an award at the Grammys and coming to accept an award for sexiest artist five years in a row. Like what right. is happening? Also, the Teen Choice Awards in 2010, she they won. She Hook won up. sexiest from the Teen Choice Awards. No, it was hookup song. Oh, she won. She had to go out and accept an award for the hookup song. That's weird. <laughs> That's so dumb. That's I don't weird. even know what song it was. Who cares? Yeah. Um. But yeah. I will go ahead and play my song. Uh, I've been tossing around. So at first, first I thought, at first I thought that I was gonna pick "Crush, Crush, Crush," but I then thought about it and I was like, I don't think I actually like. It's more of a nostalgia song. It's more of a song that I just remember and not necessarily the song I think is actually particularly their best song. I'm also tossing around some of their newer stuff, but I want to highlight one of their like middle of the road hot, like like singles. So I'm gonna go. With the only exception, I remember that song being very enjoyable. It's one of their more, I think, adult songs, or it's one of their first really adult songs where they're really kind of like expressing more of an intimate and mature emotion rather than kind of feeling like it's just expressing more teen angst. So I feel like it's a it's a relevant and important song for their discography, I guess. So the only exception off of Brand New Eyes. So I think one thing that I wanted to talk about we haven't got into yet, and I wanted to try and keep it within the realm of Paramore, but also you can span out with this question, is they have been on two oh no, I'm sorry, they've been on Fuel by Ramen, their their label for the last I mean ever since two thousand five. Even their two thousand seventeen release is on Fuel by Ramen, which I found surprising. I really am only familiar with what Fuel by Ramen has kind of done uh, for that style of music early on in the mid-2000s. 
But I do think that their impact on pop punk, and I think their impact on music is worth discussing, and I'm not sure what other medium we would talk about since Paramore is really kind of their baby, I guess, in a lot of ways. They've released other albums. If you look at the, their their listing of people, they were also the ones who did The Fever You Can't Sweat Out um, by Panic! at the Disco, which was one of their really big releases. Uh, but it, it really, Fueled by Ramen... I feel like shaped a lot of what pop punk looked like, what warp tour looked like, what alternative press looked like, what like what that scene looked like in the mid 2000s and I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are on their impact and what they're contributing even today through music like Paramore. Like another example that they have they're the ones who have 21 pilots. That is correct. Yeah, I found their, that very surprising. The biggest um release by Fueled by Ramen the label's highest selling album is uh, is Blurry Face. Is it by uh, Twenty One Pilots? And also, um, Fun is on that re- on that label. The Some Nights album. So I mean, they ha- and another group, probably one of the better groups that's on Fueled by Robin is a band that we like, the Front Bottoms. They're yes. very good. Um, they they have not had chart success by any means, singles, but their music really doesn't. You know, that it's not gonna. It's not going to do that. Right. But they have, they tour and they sell out um, relatively bigger, small venues. I just find it interesting that Fuel by Ramen is able to, that they're able to release music that still feels to me like it's in the scene, but it's somehow still popular. For instance, 21 Pilots, mm-hmm. where they still have the sound that they're they're one of the few acts that are still going that kind of has that emo sound while still being mainstream. Yeah. I have a question about them. Yeah. So a lot of the bands on Fueled by Ramen sound really similar. Very much there, so. There's very there's a real strong trend. Mm-hmm. Is that because they're all in like the same network of people, or is there a producer that is from Fueled by Ramen that is touching all of these bands? I That's a great question. I'm actually not familiar enough with the label to be able to answer that question. But that's, that, I mean, that's really an important question is to know, is there someone working there that's influencing all of their sound or, yeah. Because there's a very, like, just like the whole record label is just Warp Tour bands, really. Yes. And there's just a strong vibe. If I would have thought of this before we started recording, I would have looked into it. I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think anybody's updated the Wikipedia page for Fueled by Realms releases because the last one says it was like 2000. It was, uh, according to this, which is probably really wrong, it was Death of a Bachelor by Panic in January of, ni- of 16. Really? So it's been over three years. I don't think that happened. That, that, that was can't be No, right. because After Laughter was on Fueled by Ramen. Was yeah, it? but also Fueled by Ramen has Panic currently, and that, that latest Panic release was on that label as well yeah i find it interesting too that they i mean that that speaks to me because i'll give i'll give you three examples off the bat that fuel by ramen is probably pushing bands to start abandoning the scene sound and start transitioning into a pop sound because you'll take a somebody like pank of the disco who they have had on their label ever since their 2005 release and now they have pank of the disco and they're like hey you want to do some pop stuff uh fun is a great example as well because Nate Reese, Nate Roos. Yeah. Uh, he was in the format, which was more of an underground indie rock kind of band. Great band. Transition into fun, which is more pop centric. And then, of course, we have Paramore here, 
who, well, I mean, they were already kind of pop to begin with. They've had pop elements, but they obviously were more of a pop punk well, it's, band. Well, it's owned by Warner Music Group, Fooled by Ramen is. Right. And it's kind of, I guess, the idea, and it's something we can kind of talk about in terms of uh, the accusation of them being an industry plan, which you mentioned before. Yes. But the idea of creating these pop punk bands and kind of putting their records out on Fuel by Ramen, that way you're not investing a lot of your your major label money into it. You're right. putting, you know, because it, it, probably the financial aspects of it is like if you put it on a smaller label, you put less money into it. If you take a loss, then you kind of tax-wise, you don't, whatever. But, and you're not investing as much into it. And if somebody blows up, that's great because you didn't invest much in. And then you continue to have success and then you put them on your bigger label and you put them on your bigger tours, your arena tours, stuff like that. And then you put a band opening for them that's on your same label that you try and garner that same kind of, you're just kind of recreating the same buzz with a new band, you know? So that, I don't know. Cause um, a day to remember were, were also, I think they actually might still be signed to fuel by ramen. Although they were independent for a while. They're not. Well, look at, I don't think they were on fuel by ramen. They were, on I think they label. are now. Oh, they, they are, are now. Currently. That's interesting because they went independent for their last two albums, and then I guess what their most recent album was on Feel by Ramen, the Bad Vibrations. No, that that was self released. Bad Vibrations was. So they haven't had anything actually released through them at this point because that was their most recent album. Actually, no, they they put it out and they Epitaph also released uh, Bad Vibration, but your their newest album that's coming out ne- uh, sometime this year. You're welcome. A day to remember's newest is going to be their first on Fuel by Raw. Oh, I believe. that's, that's that is interesting, and I will be very interested to see what their sound sounds like via. There's a, Fuel by a single if you want to listen. Not very. It's not great if you want to play it. If you want, it's not. It's, Why not? It's called uh, uh, Degenerates. I, it's it sounds like a Fuel by Ramen song. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a song that's on Feel by Ram. It sounds like overly produced. It has a hooky kind of like vocal performance. But it's like, yeah, it it's way it's away from their metalcore uh, uh, roots roots for sure. And they've gone away from that for quite a while. I mean, some of the bad vibrations on, really didn't. It had go a little bit, a, a little bit, but. I mean, probably since Second Sucks is their, you know, that's the probably the, the heaviest song they've had in, you know, in the last decade. Mm, there's some stuff off of Common Courtesy that was kind of heavy, but yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I do think it's interesting that that you kind of know what a fuel by ramen, you know, like, and it definitely um, from that time period where Panic blew up, Paramore blew up around all, you know, 2006 era, five six era. You know, we haven't had that. We say we haven't had that in a long time, but then you look at a band like Twenty One Pilots, which are in that scene and also super popular. <laughs> Cat agrees. It brings up the idea of the legitimacy of a label. So, you know, Fueled by Ramen has now been the place where a lot of these bands have made their start and have 
you know, created their sound or what have you. And so you, it's really interesting to see bands come back to the label or attempt to re-release from the label, such as Panic at the Disco, after making a shift to really not good music. You're welcome, because I knew the album suck really bad. And then utilizing that label's legitimacy to say, I'm still in the scene, this is still important to you, so you should listen to my music. Which is kind of interesting. And the label doing the same thing, of like, look at our background, look at who we are, releasing people from different stuff. So that's when, and then, you know, 21, because 21 Pilots fits... Kind of when you when you think of it as a progression, you know. But if I think about in the context of Warp Tour bands, I don't think of Twenty One Pilots as a Warp Tour band. Yeah, you know. But well, I I would if Warp Tour was still active. But if Warp Tour, I mean that that would be who I would see being a headliner at Warp Tour would be a Twenty One Pilots in in two thousand twelve. Yes, but now they've yeah. outgrown it. That's why, like, yeah. My like, good point. I'll, I'll break the news to anyone who doesn't know, and it's relevant because they were a record roundtable alum. Uh, but uh, My Chemical Romance has announced that they are returning to. Uh, they're doing a one-off show, but it's not a one-off. What? Uh, yes, they're going to tour. I don't think they're going to do an album, but it's possible. And we talked about this. I predicted on it. the uh, on the episode we talked about how they. I said they'd probably get together to for a do show. yeah for a reunion show Six if the money ago. pays. And it did for sure because they're sold doing sold out in minutes. And, and the tickets were one hundred and fifty dollars a piece, right? And it sold out in, within minutes. That's a lot of money. I mean, and it's a it, big stadium too. Is it really? Yeah, it's in L.A. I figured it was a smaller club. Well, not small club, but no, like, it's in L.A. Well, I know that, but they, it doesn't matter. But um, but they they're pro- gonna do a tour after this, so it's yeah. like, why did I waste my money on? You know, like I probably could yeah, absolutely. You know, but not to not to bring it up again. I was talking to Anne, and I was like, she was like, I want to, I want to go to the show. I was like, give it like literally like three days. They're gonna announce a full tour. You do not have to go to the one first show. Yes. Wow, guys, the show is so great. We're gonna keep doing it. Thank oh, you. Wow, I can't believe it, Gerard. Um, but they're they outgrew Warp Tour. Fall yeah. Out Boy out. You know, like in terms of disco not uh, not in terms of maturity, but in terms of. There would be too many people watching this one band there mm-hmm. that it would like, yeah. I, They're doing arena tours. I think what's also interesting though to circle us all the way back is that I could see Paramore still doing a warp tour if warp tour was still active because I could see them wanting to take their current sound and still put it out in those mediums because, like we've talked about, I could see a situation in which um, she would want to continue to stay to her, her home base, I guess. Sure, but you're still using the legitimacy of the past to fuel that. Yeah, marketing. absolutely. Right. Like oh, yeah. You can't not do that. And that's, it, the, and that's it what it's coming. <laughs> not ramen. Not <laughs> okay, ramen. go on. It's actually just fueled by regular old egg noodles. <laughs> Frozen, freeze-dried. Pick them up for cheaper at a different store. This show brought to you by egg noodles. Uh, I mean, you can't. You can't push forward without, like, you know, focusing on the legitimacy of your past in that regard. Yeah. So that's my point that she she has done it. They have done it with this release. The label has done it to themselves by putting forward new artists. Artists have come back and used the label to do that same thing. And it's just weird. And it, and it plays into the odd idea of how, why, you know, why you have a subsidiary. You know right. What I'm saying? Why do you even have it? And sometimes it's for less... You know, sometimes it's for putting less money into, but in this case, no one's going to go listen to all these Warner bands, but they'll listen to Fueled by Ramen bands because people don't always know it's owned by, you know, if you can keep those connections unclear, 
you know, you can utilize it as a money-making machine that seems semi-underground in a way and fuels the, you know, the feelings of the people in the scene. Yeah. So it the whole the whole idea of like the fact that this label is is what it is today is kind of just weird in a way in mm-hmm. terms of like the you know the outset of it. I mean a lot of people a lot of bands start labels to mm-hmm. do this exact thing Precisely. to to guide, find bands of their own style such as Discord with Fugazi or as right. uh, Merge which is Superchunk's label to find similar artists. Mm-hmm. Or in the regional a lot of them are still regional even. Yeah. So you know it's I don't know what to say, whether it's a credit goes to who. I don't know who it goes to. And it's clear that they're, that Paramore has had an influence on what Phil Baron Ramen has to do, and their success absolutely would. And it's useful to, to back off that way. So, Tyler, you want to go ahead and play your favorite song? Yeah, we can do it. I think mine is, screw on down for me, all the way to the bottom. <clears throat> Sorry, no, the bottom of uh, right there. That's where it was. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize where he was. Caught, <laughs> caught in the middle is my song that I'm going to play. Uh, I read the the Pitchfork review for this album. I'll preface this. And Pitchfork was actually relatively uh, pleasantly surprised by it, I believe. They yeah, got, they I think it like gave it. a 7-2, seven, seven, 7-4, seven, something like that. Which is more than you would expect a, 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 any kind of Pitchfork or you know style of Pitchfork reviewers mm-hmm. to give a Paramore album. Yeah, it was pretty surprising. But they liked it a lot, and... You know, they like the sounds over this or that. This is actually a song that they said was one of the more, like, less songs that they thought was that great on it. Oh, really? But for me, I like, sometimes I pick out songs I think are just fun to listen to. So that's what I've done here. there's just a hundred other songs that people are doing like currently that sound better than that that same style well again it it, just didn't hit again i and i understand your point on that i just think that it's more particularly interesting than what they were doing and i think it's an evolution but i do think that there are people who are doing it better which was my biggest gripe against the album i don't think that it's particularly a, a wonderful new wavy synth pop album but i think that their new wavy synth pop sound is more interesting to me and i assume tyler than what they were doing previously on albums like paramore and brand new eyes okay i'll give you that do we have any closing thoughts about paramore before we wrap up i saw them uh i believe it was 2013 they uh toured with a fallout boy and i had tickets to go see them uh and i got a call from uh one of my friends josh who had won tickets on the radio some kind of contest to meet a band backstage and he thought that he would be able to he won a meet and greet with paramore and he thought he'd be able to switch to be to do a meet and greet with fallout boy but they're like no you're not gonna do that so he allowed me to go and do the meet and greet as well and uh so there's a photo and i, I might make it we'll make it maybe the the, the cover photo this week who knows we'll see no, no. all right never no. mind no <laughs> Well, post it. All right. We'll post it 
uh, along with it. But anyways, maybe I, on Facebook. All right, go uh, follow us on Facebook if you want to see Jared's <laughs> dumb photo. <laughs> I can't believe you're willing to let everyone see your face. Anyways, that's fair. Maybe we won't show it. Maybe I'll blur myself. It'll it's, be a blurry face. But um, listen, Twenty One Pilots. The cover of our Facebook page is all oh four of our no. faces. That's true. Oh. Anyways, no. but yeah, I met Paramore in that time period, and I've seen them just the one time. They put on a pretty good concert, and um, but yeah, so I met them, and and they didn't say anything because she was resting her voice, and you just do you just walk up quickly. They take a photograph, and you walk away. So. It's not that much of a thing. I think I was at that concert. You probably were. It was a good concert. Yes. So I like um, I like the band, as I stated previously. We didn't get into the self-titled album, Paramore. I like a lot. I, I like a lot of songs on that album. You should check out, uh, obviously, Ate It Fun, Dax's favorite tune, uh, Last Hope, my favorite tune. Still Into You is a very good song. And uh, so, yeah, listen to that. Dax, would you like to tell your story about your record? Yeah, my favorite record that I own. Uh, one of at least uh, ain't it fun it's the single it was a record store day release and the music video for ain't it fun they broke a bunch of world records one of which was breaking records like they had vinyl records they broke the record for smashing them so the uh, release it's the single so just the center parts of the song the outside looks like it's a smashed record nice. do you have a picture of that record I can get a picture. It's upstairs. I was thinking that we would make that the the, the, the little pic- thing in the yeah. No, that, that would be the main picture. It should be uh, me meeting Paramore, but my face is a broken record. Whoa! So Tyler, do you have any closing thoughts? I missed Paramore. I didn't listen to it at the time. Oh, I thought you missed so, this week. No. So uh, I don't know. For me, it's not a band that has heavily influenced my pop punk likings. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that we listened to it. I really think that Riot is actually a pretty good album. I'll concede to you guys in terms of it being uh, in the pop punk genre. Although, Misery Business is horrible. It's horrible. Their last show that they did, they said they're retiring that song. Because of the problematic nature of the lyrics. Well, anywho, that song's not particularly great. And neither is the other one that I don't like. Crush, crush, crush. Yes, crush, crush, crush. It just starts out not doing it. But all in all, I think that there's some interesting dynamics in that song. And I think that, in that that album, sorry. And I think that it's actually pretty good. And maybe might even have some slight importance in the genre. I will admit it. If you don't like crush, 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 then I've got a lot to say to you. Yeah, I've got a lot to say. Oh man, there are other albums to me. I don't know. I see a clear, I see a clear transition up to what we get today, and I think that that's what they're doing is kind of interesting and fun, and that's what music's about, I suppose. So, and I think that that's what pop punk's always been about, is about enjoying and having fun a little more than being critically acclaimed or making music that's particularly really good. So, all in all, in the ethos of Paramore, I think it fits, and I think they're doing I. Right. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. We've been listening to Paramore. Next week, we're going to be talking about Regina Spector. Tune in. See you then. Bye.